I'm so excited for season two. Thank you so much for joining me. We will listen from more parents who are truly making a difference in their children's lives, workspace, and community. I hope that these stories inspire you and make this parenting journey much more memorable and enjoyable. Our first episode for this second season is sponsored by Tiny Bear's House, a New Year's Day licensed group family daycare located in Brywood, where children from three months to school age can grow in a warm and home-like environment. Tiny Bear's House is now opening enrollment for summer and fall. And if you would like to support our podcast by becoming a sponsor, please send us an email at contactusattinybearshouse.com. Now enjoy our first episode of this second season. Thank you for listening. Today we have um, Kim Calicio. She's a mom of two kids from Astoria. She's a professional chef and founder of The Connected Chef, a cooking school for adults and kids in Astoria. Thank you so much for having me and for making the time to be in the podcast. So I would like to start with one question. How was your routine like before having kids? <laughs> uh, I didn't have a routine because I didn't need one. <laughs> oh, that's true. I, um, in terms of cooking in the kitchen? In general, because I know that you, you know, you were, you're a top chef, you worked um, as a restaurant. So for me, like that life is so interesting. So I'm just like trying to picture how, you know, what was your day like? Because yeah. I'm sure it was pretty crazy. Yeah, um, it was all about working. I worked nonstop. Um, I grew up on Long Island. So in the beginning, when I first became um when I first started working in the restaurant business in Manhattan, I would commute about two hours each way from Long Island to Manhattan. Uh, and eventually I moved to Queens and I would just work all day. I would go in at eight to 10 in the morning and I would get home at three at night, <laughs> three in the morning. Um, and we would, we would work like 14 hour shifts um, and go out and have a drink afterwards with everybody and then go home and sleep. Um, and that was just on repeat. <laughs> and the days that I didn't work, I would stay home because I was exhausted. <laughs> um, before I went into the restaurant world, I went to school for psychology and um, I was a medical professional. Uh, I ran a medical office on Long Island. So routine um, has always looked different for me depending on where I've been um, and what I've been focusing on. But in terms of the restaurant world itself, it was it was just all about working, um, which I loved and it was exciting, but very different from anything else I've ever done also. Yes, I mean, I'm those like fanatics about food, like the, I watch like all this, <laughs> all this um, shows. So I was always wondering, like, how is it really for, you know, a woman to be in the restaurant business and how yeah. crazy that is. So after having your first child, were you in the restaurant business still? Um, I, I a little bit. So being a female in the kitchen is like being in any male dominated industry where um, it, it takes a lot of effort <laughs> in different ways than it would for a guy. Um, once I got pregnant, um, I had to, I didn't say anything to anybody for a while. Um, and then I had to disclose that I was pregnant. Um, I was out for about six months um, with 
when I had my first son. And then I attempted to go back part-time. When I first left, I had been the executive sous chef for uh, David Burke restaurant on the Upper East Side in Manhattan. I was headed to become the executive chef of one of their new restaurants that was opening. And then I got pregnant <laughs> and I left for maternity leave. They were really wonderful in that they uh, were super supportive and I worked for them for a really long time. So they held my job, um, which technically in New York at the time they didn't have to do. But when I got back, it was a whole new kitchen crew and it was a whole new staff. So it was for me, especially as a female, I was then dropped to the bottom. I technically was still a sous chef, um, but I didn't have the same respect from people that I did when I left. It was a, it was a totally different chef. Um, so I needed to either make a choice of creating, like starting from scratch and, and building that reputation again, which took me five years to build, um, or find something different to do. Um, and I, because I wanted to stay at home with my son, um, and not work 80 hours a week. I went back part-time at first, um, and I think that contributed to my ability to be able to come back in a similar place as what I left. Um, and I decided that since I couldn't really do it fully, that I wasn't going to do it at all. And I left after a year of working part-time and started just staying home with my son for about a year and a half before I started The Connected Chef. Okay, so... You had your first son and then you decided basically, you know, after trying to go back to work that it wasn't going to be the lifestyle that you wanted. Yeah. So this is when you started the Connected Chef. Yeah. Then how did you... It's not conducive to family. <laughs> it's not. No. <laughs> did you ever think about like having a family and like, thinking that you would still be in, like, you know, pre-kids, like, you think you would handle it, like, you could do it? Oh, my God. Yeah, like, to the, I, so I was working till I was nine months pregnant, much of the time still cooking, too. Like, I wasn't just in the kitchen. I was actively working, making pasta with my belly up on the counter. Mm -hmm. Like, there was, um, I was convinced that I would be back, and it would, it would be, like, didn't skip a beat. Um, and I remember my chef at the time saying to me, like, you're going to want to be home with your kid. And I thought that was very misogynistic. And I was like, don't tell me what I'm going to do. I'm going to do what I, what I know that I'm going to do. I'll be back and I'll be running the kitchen just like I am now. Um, yeah, I totally did not get what motherhood takes. That's yeah. so interesting. And so how did you transition to having two kids? Like, how was your life? then you know yeah um so after my first son my husband is also a restaurant chef so he stayed in the restaurant world um we only had one income for a while which was in new york city really tough and we needed to have another income so i started doing cooking classes from necessity um child care was too expensive so i couldn't do like a full-time job where I'd have to leave the house because it just didn't make sense financially. Um, I would not be making anything actually. I would just be paying back into childcare. Um, so I decided to try to figure out how to work from home as much as possible. Um, and that's where the cooking classes started. Um, and I would teach cooking classes with 
friends, uh, almost like Tupperware style, where we would have somebody host and then they would invite friends and we would do classes together. And then that kind of snowballed into um, more and more classes uh, for adults and supporting parents. I really realized when I became a parent that all of my other friends who had kids around me, mealtime was really stressful. And it was something where they had no idea, like they were like, I don't even know how to do this. Um, so I wanted to be, and it wasn't like that for me. It was easier for me. And I thought about why is it easier for me and trying to come up with solutions. Um, when I had my second son was when that was another thing where like, you just don't get it. <laughs> like You're like, I'm going to have a kid. And then you're like, what is happening? And then you're like, I'm going to have a second kid. And you're like, oh my God, I didn't think it could get worse. <laughs> so it's, it's just, you're constantly stretching. Um, and I think I was in a similar place when I had my second son where I didn't realize the reality of time management with two children. Um, and that presented a lot of challenges in terms of getting dinner on the table, in terms of doing anything besides just focusing on kids, my kids. Um, so it was it was tricky, and there was a lot of needing to get support around me that I didn't necessarily have beforehand to be able to manage and get through. Okay, so now that your kids are seven and four, so how yeah. do you you have some time to like kind of build up, you know? a routine like where you feel good about so uh -huh. what do your mornings look like so my mornings are they start at about 6 30 my kids have always been early risers so they wake me up in the morning um and then my older son is in second grade so we get him ready for school my younger one is in a pre-k program so pretty much we both We all get ready in the morning. I give them breakfast while they're getting dressed and make their lunches. After they eat breakfast, uh, or while they're eating breakfast, I'm getting dressed and ready. Um, and then we brush our teeth and shoes and coats and out the door. Um, it's, we're usually out the door by about 7.50, 7.45, um, and I bring them to school. And then from the time that they're in school. My younger one doesn't go to a full-time program, so there's more back and forth with me and him, picking him up and staying with him. But between the hours of about uh, 8.30 and 1 is when I do my own work, and then the afternoon ensues. <laughs> <laughs> then it begins again. <laughs> so you mentioned your kids are early rises. What did, I'm sure they probably go to sleep early. Um, like, yeah, I mean... I try to get them. We start bedtime about seven o'clock. Six thirty okay. is when we start to like wind down, attempt to wind down, um, and then seven o'clock is when we. I like I like to have them in bed and sleeping by eight. Like that's my my cutoff because I really I feel like I'm going so much during the day. I need to have that downtime, and I get very unhappy when <laughs> when it goes later than that. Yeah, I mean I yeah. think you just. Your tank is already low and you like yes. basically yeah. <laughs> running yeah. on low and you're just like, go to sleep, please. Yeah, I was just speaking to a friend the other day about structure and, and I'm always reevaluating what our kind of structure and routines are because I feel like that is the one foundation that supports how we're, what kind of a day we're having. Um, 
And I realized that I had been recently kind of running on low and needing to reevaluate like where I can get in time for myself because if I don't get that in, it's miserable for everybody. Um, and everything feels harder. So trying to, I think as a mom, always trying to evaluate, um, the little pockets in our day and those little wins that we can gain throughout the day so that those will keep us moving. And that's been really important for me, both cooking and not. Right. I, I think you touch a really good point about evaluating, you know, the season you're in, because I'm pretty sure like when they were younger, it was a, a different routine than what it is now. So when it's like, just describe your perfect day, like how if you're in a good mood, you practice, you know, everything that you said you were going to do, like how would that perfect day look like for you? Um, I think the perfect day would be me going, it would start with the day before because it would be me being able to go to bed early enough where when I wake up in the morning, I feel ready. Um, getting to do maybe like 15 minutes of yoga for myself in the morning, having something where I have my own space in the morning, um, getting ready for school, dropping them off, having a nice productive four or five hours of work. And then having to, I really love to be able to put work aside so that I can then focus and be present when I am with them. So picking up my, my second son from school and having some time with him before we go and get my, my oldest and really being able to come home and play with them, I think, and giving them attention, whether it's reading with them or doing some drawing or having just focused attention together. They really get a lot from that. Um, and it's helpful for me to slow myself down and, and not be in that kind of like hustle mode. And then, Having dinner already made actually would be nice or halfway made so I can just do something quick. That's usually my ideal. And then having, I love having dinner together. We, we make a point to make sure that we're sitting down and eating every night together and then doing bedtime where I don't have to lay with them. <laughs> they are kids. They are kids that need me or want me to be there with them until they're falling asleep. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's why our bedtime is so long. So if I was able to brush teeth and they were happily just go lay in their bed and go to sleep, that would be amazing. <laughs> that would be so perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me, um, do you do grocery shopping online or do you do it in like in the supermarkets? And what are your like grocery uh, food staples? Like, yeah, that's such a great question. Grocery shopping in New York City is so awful um and there's so many different ways to do it and i talk to our families so often the work that we do at the connection chef is really finding out and getting to know each individual family because what works for my family is not necessarily going to work for anybody else because everybody's life is different especially with kids um so getting to like what works for you is so important mm -hmm. and for us i've tried the online shopping i don't love it because of ethical reasons and supporting certain corporations that i don't personally want to do um so i try to buy as local as possible that's so that's my priority and my priority is to be able to buy local food um support even if it's like the small markets that's something that feels really important to me so because of that my food shopping 
is reflective of, of those um, wants. Um, we used to go to a main grocery store and get most of our stuff there mm. and then go to a butcher and get our meat in that place. Um, I recently mm. got a car, so that changed it up for us a little bit. So for we go once a month to Costco where we get our paper goods and like paper towels and toilet paper and things like that. Um, and then we go have been going to Trader Joe's every week, actually, um, which has been nice. And I try to make food shopping because we go and do our food shopping. And I have to have one or both of my kids with me when I'm doing it. I try to make it something that's not a chore. I think that's the key, whether it's cooking or food shopping. Try to approach it where it's not like, all right, we got to go food shopping now. Um, and even in our language and talking to our kids, it's like, okay, we get to go food shopping now. Let's make a list together and like just really engage in each step as much as possible, um, which can be really difficult because of time management and things like that. So really thinking about, you know, again, what your wants and needs are. Um, but for us, food shopping is that. And then we are eating less and less meat, so we're not really going to a butcher anymore. But when I do get, like, chicken or eggs or things like that, I go to a local butcher for that. Um, and in the summer months, we have a CSA. We get we get our stuff from that local CSA. That's really nice. Yeah. So what are the things that you always buy? You mentioned Trader Joe's. I'm guessing you go always go there. So like, what are some of your staple buys? Um, so when I make a food shopping list, I typically have, I always make sure I have like lentils, rice, and pasta in the house. I mainly buy a bunch of produce and fruit. Uh, I'm not like Trader Joe's can be tricky because they have so much processed stuff and even though it's organic it's still not good for you because it's processed so you have to go in very intentionally and know what you're getting um and for me whenever i buy anything i try to get the raw form of it um so if i'm getting tomatoes i'm, I'm usually not often getting uh canned tomatoes or roasted peppers in a jar like i'm getting the, that real thing um So lots of, like, when I make my food shopping list, I don't even write out what vegetables or fruit I'm getting. I just put fruit and veggies because I go there and I'll just pick what looks the best and what's available. Um, rice, pasta, lentils, and then we do eggs, almond milk, and little snacks and things like nuts and dried fruit, um, cheese. We love cheese in my house, the one dairy that we are always eating. Um, And that's it, really. I try to think about our meals and what we're eating. Um, for breakfast, we have oatmeal, yogurt, and eggs is usually what our breakfast consists of to some degree. Um, we'll get bread or, like, bagels or waffles. And then for lunch, my kids are obsessed with sandwiches, so I'll, give, I'll just give them a sandwich for lunch um, with some, some snacks and things. And then dinner, batteries. Okay. So you mentioned a couple of things that I think um, I I understand, like you like to buy local, fresh as possible. So can you just concise, like, what is your food philosophy? My food philosophy is the fact that we need to make choices that are best for our family. Um, I think that's really important. And 
when we're buying foods, we need to think about the bigger picture. We need to think about where those foods are coming from, how they're being sourced, and how they're getting to our plates. Because when we have control over that, not, not even when it comes to climate change and the larger global aspects of what your food choices are, those foods that are local and grown by small farmers and are not being shipped from far away are better for your body also. Um, and that's the piece that people miss often where we're being told like, oh, you need to buy organic and you need to buy local foods because it's better for the environment, but it's also better for you. And it's better for your body. You're nourishing yourself in a way that's going to to give you the energy and strength to do all of the other things that you do in the day. And I think that that's why food is so important for me is that it allows us to connect and come together as a family, but it also gives us the strength to be able to do the important work that we're doing outside of our family as well. Did you always eat like this healthy before having kids also? Because I would think like the restaurant business, you just like kind of eat in and out, like whatever. Is it something like you had to develop because of your kids? Yeah, my kids totally pushed me to eat better. Um, and I think that's normal for, for parents where you're like, oh my God, I can't give this food to my kid. Um, like we can't eat hot dogs every single day. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I grew up on Long Island and I ate, I grew up with parents who didn't know how to necessarily cook well um, or fancy in any way at all. I mean, we had like frozen raviolis and chicken broth from a can was like our dinner sometimes. Um, so I didn't grow, I was not that person who like grew up on a farm and my, my grandma cooked for me and all those things. Um, but food was important in my family and whatever food we did have, like my dad always wanted the best of that. Like he wanted the best mustard, like Goulden's mustard was like, that was the good mustard that you ate. So it was this mentality that I kind of got from my childhood, but we totally ate fast food all the time. Um, I was just talking about this with my kid the other day because they've never had fast food. Um, And they were like, did you eat fast food? And I said, yeah, like a lot. And it was gross. <laughs> But And they said, did you like it when you ate it? And I said, yeah, I did. I thought it was great because I didn't, my palate, my tastes didn't, buds didn't know any better. Um, and it's been like 10 years. But when I, I remember there was a moment after I had my kids, my first son, and I was like, oh, I need to like eat health, like he needs to eat healthier. So then it just slowly progressed. Um, and then my husband one day was like, who are you? Like, what is happening? Why is this so important? <laughs> so they become a little obsessed. Were there any yeah. resources that, um, that like really helped you in that transition to, you know, being more aware of what you put in your body? Um, I think my background as a restaurant chef was unbelievably helpful because I had the privilege and ability to make the choices that I wanted to make. Um, I think a lot of people get stuck because they know what they want and they know it's not okay with them, but they don't know how to get there. Um, and that's really been my goal is to help people get there, identifying what's not working for you and figuring out what the specific tools are to be able to move from that place. Um, for me, it was knowing how to cook Like, I didn't have to worry about recipes ever. Like, I knew the methods and techniques of cooking. I knew how to sear. I knew how to braise without even thinking about it. That was just, 
I was able to look at an ingredient and say, not I want to cook this ingredient, but like, oh, I want something roasted because, you know, this is the flavor it brings me. So the way I thought about food was very different from my friends. Um, and that was the one piece that I realized was the foundation of beginning the cooking classes because that mentality and that approach to food was something that nobody I was around outside of the restaurant industry had. So you mentioned that you um, started the Connector Chef after your son was born and little by little progressed into like cooking classes for kids and adults. Um, so tell me a little bit more about that. Um, how do you, you, you mentioned like your talent is finding out what doesn't work for a family than trying to fix it. So what is like the typical family that comes to you or the typical problem that yeah. always like time. you see? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> totally time. Um, I think, and I think that that is specific to living definitely in a Western culture, um, but also in New York City, where we're, we're prided on how much we can do. Um, I think that's all across Western culture at the same time, though. Like, we, we idolize being able to get a lot of things done. Um, and the more we can do and the more productive we can be, the more value we have as people. And I think that that's BS. Um, and I think that that's what creates this feeling of never enough. Um, there's never enough time. There's never enough resources. There's never, there's never enough connection with our kids. There's never enough downtime for me. Like there's always, we're always feeling like we're lacking. Um, and I feel like that piece is the foundation of that and being able to encourage people and give the message that it's okay to say no and it's okay to stop. Um, and to learn to pull away from those ideas, which, which can be really hard. We all have to work and we all have to, you know, do certain things that allow us to survive in this world. So really figuring out where are the places that we can kind of uh, go against the grain a little bit more. So um, yesterday you posted something on Instagram regarding what you, you just mentioned at the end, like going against the grain. So Can you exp uh, expand a little bit more about that? Like, how, how does that look for you in particular? Um, in every way. <laughs> I realize how much of a rebellious person I actually am um, when I start thinking about these things because they come more naturally to me. Um, but going against the grain can mean canceling dinner with, that you had with a friend because you're actually just tired and mm -hmm. it's not what's best for you. I, I think encouraging people to make choices that are are really what they need and feel good is important and sometimes we have the best of intentions and sometimes we want to do really wonderful and helpful things but at the end of the day it's not what's what our body needs and what's filling us. Um, and I think constant reflection on that is important and compassion with each other when we're having to pull back. Um, having people in my life around me who not only are okay with me canceling things or rescheduling stuff, but actively, um, actively are inspired by that is amazing because it takes the guilt and the pressure away for myself. And I think going against the grain 
looks differently for each of us. Um, but ensuring that we're being compassionate with ourselves and each other, you know, while we're getting our own needs met is, is key. So tell me a little bit more about your business. Like what is something that you're excited about for this new year coming? Yeah, um, we have focused on kids' classes for the last two years and supporting children in creating healthy relationships with food. And I'm so excited to be able to now focus on parents. Um, and we have a adult programming that we're launching in January that is all about giving individualized support to the parents in our lives and in our community that, that really need it. It's one thing to be able to develop children's relationship with food and that's super important and helpful and I love that in New York City there's a lot of schools that are doing that work also but at the end of the day your kid goes home and if you feel like stressed out and are not able to get dinner on on the table they're not going to eat healthy either so it's affecting them as well um, and I think parents are ignored and we're drowning in many senses where we're just responsible for so much more and it's not fair to us to continue to have added pressure and be expected to deliver something that feels impossible. Uh, it makes me really sad when I hear so many parents just feeling like healthy dinner is not actually possible. Like I just need to, they'll say to me, like, I just need to wait till my kid gets older and then I'll cook and then I'll eat healthy. Um, and that stinks. Like that's awful to me because it's not that it's too late, but like these, are, you should be able to feel capable and you should be able to be hopeful that that is even a possibility. And the fact that people regularly tell me that they just like I just want somebody to cook for me I'm just going to order out because it's just not it's not actually possible and I'm like no it is possible but what happens is we're looking at the wrong answers and we're given recipes and we're given meal plans which are super helpful for some of us um but we're not looking at the pieces of what is your schedule like what are your kids schedules and what is your schedule what do your kids like to eat what are the foods that they're going to eat that won't create a struggle on a daily basis because that's where we need to start um and i'm really excited to be able to begin to have those conversations with our with our families and find out what their issues are and give them because i have the tools and the support uh it's about matching that um and being we have an adult program for cooking classes and for meal planning that really addresses all of those pieces um, because it's not just about knowing how to cook and it's not just about knowing what to cook. There's so much more that goes into that. Okay. I mean, you, that's, I think, tackling the root of the problem because it's, it really yeah. is on us to yeah. try to change it and make it a priority while our kids, you know, need that support like of healthy meals for their growth physical yeah. and mental but for example let's say like I think the typical family you know they wake up early drop off the kids at school they go back to like they have an after school program and then they pick them up like a five or six o'clock yeah. and then afterwards like you're pretty tired I mean yeah. you know what they tell you it's I know it's not an excuse but it you know, it's it's a difficult situation where you just have like two hours to spend time with your kid, but also make dinner. So what are some of the, I don't know, meal ideas that you can suggest for anyone with, you know, that little time frame? 
Yeah. And so many people have, I mean, two hours is a lot for a lot of families. Um, a lot of the times because there's homework that needs to get done. There's all the things that have to happen. Um, and often there's really like a half an hour to be able to like connect and eat and like take a minute. Um, that's why it's so important to find out what each family looks like. Um, because what happens often, what I find is that, yes, that is a certain family's schedule from Monday to Friday, but then looking at where are the different pieces of space that you can get in other times of your week. So what is your Saturday and Sunday look? How can you set yourself up for the week so that you're able to actually not cook during the week? Because sometimes cooking during the week is not helpful and possible for people, right? But there are typically times and ways to be able to get your kitchen set up and yourself set up so that when it is dinner time, um, you're either reheating something or you're... So there's three ways that I really love to cook myself and there's batching meals, which means I'm cooking something on a Sunday, say maybe I'm making lentils or a chili. And instead of just making one portion, I'm making like three portions. So then I have leftovers for during the week. And I also have enough that I can put it in a container and stick it in the freezer. And doing that allows you to be able to have a backup plan. As a parent, we always need backup plans. And if we have healthy home-cooked meals in the freezer, then it's okay to have a day where you are you have no time at all and you can just pull that out and heat it up and you're good to go. Um, the other strategy is being able to have components of meals ready for you and available so that when you can make a meal, it's really just about putting it together. You're not really cooking too much. Um, having quinoa or rice that's already cooked, um, having a bunch of beans that are cooked in the freezer that you can pull out, um, having certain spice rubs or I call them flavor builders, things that you can make that you can just add to very simple food that makes it not feel so boring. Um, and then there's a piece of knowing which cooking techniques are fastest for you. Some people love one pot meals. I don't like one pot meals because it takes a lot of prep up front. There's a lot of cutting that has to happen before you make the meal. Sure, you make a bunch of it and then you have it for a while. Um, but there are other techniques like searing and roasting that take a little effort from us as the cook and produce an abundance of food in a really short period of time. Um, so knowing which techniques work for you are, are really helpful too. Yeah, that was, that was very helpful. Yeah. I think that um, it's also getting into the habit of just doing something in the kitchen because most of yeah. us have never cooked yeah. and it, it gets intimidated. So just getting over the fear. And I, yeah. I think you're tackling the problem correctly because it's, it's a lot of work that we have to do on ourselves. Sometimes we push our kids like they have to be better than us, but we have to be better <laughs> for them. Yeah. Right? And it's not fair that we have to do it alone though, either. Mm -hmm. Right. It's, it's, it, that's what's impossible. It's impossible to do it alone. Um, I have had to bring in so much support in terms of people 
going, like if I have trouble with something, unless I have somebody there holding my hand, doing it with me, it's, it's near impossible for me to actually achieve a goal. A lot of the times Uh, I need, we all need support. People don't progress in life without having support around them. And it's okay to lean on somebody who is really good at one thing to, to help you get to that place. And it, it ends up being a lot shorter of a process because you're not spending two years trying to figure it out. Like you're going to get to where you want to be in a lot quicker time frame than without having support. Uh, and it'll feel a lot better. <laughs> it won't be so exhausting. And I think that this is great what you've started because sometimes just hearing like, I think having that one-on-one person conversation, taking those classes and like having someone like yourself, a professional that could, I could relate to and then tell me, okay, this is what I'm struggling opening up because I yeah. mean, online you can see so many recipes, so many meal plans, but they yeah. just, I mean, I find myself just scrolling through them all the time. Like, yeah. Oh yeah, that looks so nice. I should try it. And it just right. gets forgotten yeah, what, basically. Yeah. And I think what it does too, to some extent is we're constantly seeing all these things and then we're, we're giving, we're talking to ourselves in the sense of like, Oh, like I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And then we get down on ourselves for like, I'm not cooking this way, or I'm not, I'm not doing the meal planning the way I'm supposed to be doing. So it's my own fault. And like, I'm, and and it snowballs into this like negative self-talk, which makes us just want to run away and not ever be in the kitchen. (laughs) So there's so many pieces that we might not even realize that are at play. Um, And I think it's important to address all of that. Yeah, I think that's a really, really, um, what you started is a really great, uh, great idea just for the community, just like to feel like connected to other parents having the same struggle instead of comparing us ourselves, you know, in social media, especially like moms, we, we see other moms cooking and making all these like wonderful things and I'm like, that's not me, you know, <laughs> because most of us, I guess here in Queens and New York City would we work, both parents work full time. There's not one yeah. parent to stay back. And just yeah. the whole routine, go, taking the train and being in that yes. commute. I mean, all of that is a different life. Yeah. So I yeah. think, yeah, joining that type of class, like where you can connect with other parents that have like your same struggle and then finding solutions, it's, it's really yeah. important. Was this something that you came up on your own or that people were telling you about to start? Um, I think it was something that I saw, like I was saying earlier, I saw that friends were really struggling um, and I, and I wasn't struggling and it's natural for me to be like, well, what's work? What's at play here? I have a, a psychology degree. So I'm always thinking and analyzing things. Um, and I realized that it was the foundation of how I approached food and what I like, how I cooked based on methods and techniques of cooking um, and what my, process was that was different than other people's so I wanted to to help I'm also a caretaker at heart too and I, I want to be of service to people um it it's I don't think it's fair that some people feel so crappy about about food and dinner time food is supposed to be something that makes us feel so wonderful it's supposed to be a time where we're laughing like when I think about food I think about music and laughter and sitting together and talking and just relaxing and that's the opposite of what people feel and I think that sucks <laughs> um and I don't think it has to I know I don't I know that it doesn't have to be like that um we need 
more laughter and more music and more relaxation in our lives. So that's my my goal. <laughs> yeah, I I really wish you all the success because as parents we re we really need that. Like we need sleep yeah. and good eating. <laughs> yeah. And we don't get sleep, so we yeah. need like laughter. <laughs> We're not gonna get sleep. <laughs> that's true. Absolutely. One, well, it, yes. I was just going to say it's very true um, in terms of the in-person classes too, having that opportunity. We just finished a series um, this fall and one of the biggest feedback pieces that we got was this that time and space was a, that was really relaxing and it was really um, a place where people came and one of our clients was like it's just really nice to be here on a Sunday morning and feel comfortable and confident and relaxed and and that was not the reason why I signed up for the classes but it was a really great uh, side effect and you know mm -hmm. it, it ends up being just mentally you get a break which is really nice that's true yeah so just to end on a quick um, note something personal what is like your favorite cooking book Mm -hmm. if you have one and what are you like listening to to be happy what movie like that moves your soul any recommendations on that like personal uh, preference that you have yeah um I don't read cookbooks but I have recently read an amazing book called Emergent Strategy Emergent Strategy by um, Adrienne Marie Brown and she is an author who talks about connection and how nature is naturally a system at work of connection um, and how as people we want to emulate that and I completely agree and it's just a wonderful wonderful book she's an amazing author um, music I listen to One of my favorite musicians lately has been uh, Rising Appalachia and Nako Bear, which are um, kind of indie folk. Nako Bear is a, um, an indigenous uh, person from the Pacific Northeast, and he has just beautiful music um, that is all about connecting with nature and each other and building community. Um, it's empowering. Sometimes the songs nowadays are anything but empowering so I try to listen to things that are are positive and empowering and um yeah just in line with what I'm believing in um yeah that's about it we we love to get out in nature and hike and and do um just laugh and have fun uh as much as possible it's not always easy to do that though <laughs> it's not especially now the winter time Yeah, I'm trying to laugh more, not be so serious. I'm typically like a type A personality um, who's like working and like very focused. So just to like chill out a little bit is... <laughs> so is that thing. how you unwind a little bit, like taking a walk or just being outside? Yeah, for a um, music is, is something that helps me unwind. Um, just being really mindful about it though too. And I think just reminding myself like it's okay to not get everything done. Um, it's okay to just sit still. <laughs> it's really hard for me to sit still sometimes. <laughs> it's true. I guess yeah. when we had the energy and time, like we didn't get to do all the things that we wanted, but now that we're kids, we want to do all the things that were in our yeah. head. <laughs> we're just so adults. As adults, we're just so, um, everything's so important. And it's actually not true. <laughs> like it's not a big deal. It's a, everything will be okay. 
um, we need to trust a little bit more as a collective. Well, that's so true. Well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, would you thank you for having me? Would you tell the listeners where to find you? Like, what's your social media and website? Sure. Um, so you can find us at The Connected Chef. All of our social media handles are at The Connected Chef, and our website is theconnectedchef.com. Feel free to follow us. We have uh, newsletters going out weekly that are all about support and giving you tips and tools to be able to achieve the things that we talked about here in the interview. And um, yeah, slow down for the holidays. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you.